let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. This is Emily, and I'm here as always with Andrew. And if you hear a suckling babe, it is because we have Ammon with us, and he's suckling. Okay, that's <laughs> weird. Don't say that. Emily is feeding Ammon, breastfeeding. Why are you talking? No. Well, we what else is going to Can we start over? You're yeah, being we weird. can start over. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it, is the, it is the Christmas season after all. Yeah, so. like suckling babe. Yeah. It's like perfect for Christmas. Okay. We can it's keep swaddling, it. It's swaddling cozy, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sorry for the diatribe. This is Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, our mission here at Outpost of Heaven is to help people take or have like real conversations about the gospel of Jesus Christ to help you figure out how do we apply these lofty, beautiful things taught by our Savior Jesus Christ in our everyday lives to make our homes places where we can feel closer to heaven, we can feel our, our Savior's love and strengthen our family members and ourselves so we can go out into the world and do the things that he wants us to do. So with that in mind, you want to talk about today's topic? Then? Yeah. So first we have um, president and sister boarders here, and I can't refer to them in any other way because they are the mission presidents from our mission when we served in Moscow, Russia. Mm-hmm. And I will just always call you guys president and sister boarders. <laughs> so that's how we're going to do it today. <laughs> um, but we just yeah. admire them. We admire them so much and we're, we look up to them spiritually and as our kind of our parent yeah. figures too. So um, we're going to talk today about something very relevant and important and that's politics and religion, which are two hot topics, but um, we're excited to have the boarders here with us to help have a good discussion about All right. it. So before we jump into that, can you guys introduce yourselves a little bit more to give our listeners a little bit of background of you and your experience? Um, <laughs> we are uh, old timers, I guess you'd say. We will celebrate our uh, 49th anniversary here next August, and we're excited about that. Uh, my wife, Sue, has been a member of the church uh, all of her life. She's from the Bighorn Basin in Wyoming, and no matter where we go in the world, uh, we find people that know where the Bighorn Basin is in Wyoming. Uh, uh, I'm a convert to the church. I joined while I was going to graduate school at Washington State University. And so I look at things um, from that perspective a lot. And um, I, I... when I discovered the church, I realized that I had a lot of change to make in my life. And so uh, we have, we live in Spokane, Washington. Um, we have six children and we now have 23 grandchildren. Wow. We're not sure if there's any more on the way yet. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm bound to be. <laughs> bound to be. So... Uh, we uh, 
have most of our children who live by us in Washington, but we have a daughter who lives in Virginia and a daughter who lives in England. So uh, we're a little bit far apart with some of them, but uh, with this COVID, we're far apart from everybody. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Real distance doesn't really matter, I guess, in that guess sense. Not. Yeah, whether it's, a, whether it's a state over or a continent over, it's kind of the same thing right yeah. now. Exactly. Uh, professionally, I was, uh, and still am, uh, involved in money management. I was financial. I'm a financial planner, a registered record, uh, uh, investment advisor, and did that for, or have done that since 1973, so a long time. And prior to that, I taught at the university for a year. Um, and have had a variety of church assignments, uh, elders quorum president, bishop, uh, stake president, and uh, mission president, So, and then in the temple presidency. So that kind of gives you a little bit of background in that regard, and uh, involved in uh, politics a little bit over the, over the years, uh, went to a number of state conventions, um, involved in mostly local politics, but have helped uh, in some other uh, in some other things as well. But primary involvement has been family and in uh, church and a little bit of uh, politics as my time would, uh, would allow. Is that that's enough excellent. information? That's awesome. Oh, yeah, that's excellent. Did you, you mention where you were born? Oh, I was born in Canada. Uh, I was born in uh, British Columbia, a little town called Penticton, the Riviera of Canada, if there is such a place, <laughs> with beautiful lakes and warm it sand, except this time of year. <laughs> and it, so uh, when did you come to the United States? At a, at a young age, uh, oh, about okay. the age of Ammon there. But, oh, okay. Uh, went back and forth uh, to Canada several times a month to visit relatives, still have a lot of relatives up there. My mom had 12 brothers and sisters as my dad had 12 brothers and sisters. Wow. So wow. That's a huge family. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. They, they ended up having two. Yeah. President yeah. Borders and his sister. So. Yeah. <laughs> they had two children. But he uh, became a U.S. citizen when he was 10. Okay. His mother uh, decided to be a citizen of the United States. He, he was able to become one also. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you again so much for, for agreeing to come on with us. We're really excited for this conversation. It should be fun. Yeah. Uh, so just as a, like a disclaimer before we begin, um, I know generally our, um, we try and have our conversations be applicable to believers of all faiths uh and we're still going to try and do that but for the sake of this conversation it would be disingenuous for us to try and kind of come at this discussion from a place that wasn't completely genuine uh and all four of us are are members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and that heavily influences how we approach this topic uh, and so we are going to approach this from a, a place of complete sincerity and genuineness. Uh, and I do really believe that a lot of the principles that we are going to discuss are going to be applicable across 
or to all believers. Uh, but we are going to say some stuff and we might bring up some words that are kind of Latter-day Saints specific. Uh, and we probably won't stop to explain every single one of them. So if you have any questions, feel free to DM us on Instagram and we'll be more than happy to, to explain those terms or those concepts to you. Um, as another preface too, we did get these a lot of these questions from some listeners. And so we thought that we would throw together a politics and religion episode. Um, so thank you to our listener listeners who have contributed to this episode. Yeah. And so we know everyone loves to bring up politics and religion in passing conversation because it's such a uniting topic, right? Like people find it extremely bonding to discuss these things, Uh, especially together, right? Like there's something about when they are, they are crossed that, Right. brings about the best in people. It's always like the running joke that you never talk about politics or religion, <laughs> like with family or close friends, because <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. But, so well, we're here to talk yeah. about it. So yeah, we're going to talk about it. Um, so to kind of set the stage for our discussion, um, what we want to do is talk about big picture principles, and then we are going to apply those principles to several specific topics that are very prevalent in our day. That sound good, everybody? Mm-hmm. We're good? Okay. Well, our first question is, how do we ensure we use the gospel to determine our politics instead of using our politics to define our interpretation of the gospel? That's a, that's a great question. And when I joined the church back uh, when I was 23, there was a, a lot of turmoil in uh, this country at that time. There was a lot of division. We had the Vietnam War going on. We had uh, a lot of racist um, uh, activities that were going on. The uh, Civil Rights Bill had recently been passed. We'd had um, um, Bobby Kennedy had been assassinated. Martin Luther King had been assassinated. It was a, you know, there was a lot of turmoil. It was really um, uh, bad. And I joined the church and um, started to uh, try to balance the things I was dealing with at college with the protests and that sort of thing with what I was learning and um, in studying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I... So I think as a as a broad principle, place to start, if you're going to use the gospel of Jesus Christ to inform your decisions politically, I think you need to become a student of the scriptures. I think we need to be regularly involved in studying the Bible, studying the Old and the New Testament, and really seeing what Christ taught as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have the additional scripture of the of the Book of Mormon. And so I really started to try to become uh, familiar with what Christ taught. And um, I think that was, it was very helpful to me to do that, to really become familiar with the Old Testament, to become familiar with the New Testament, to become familiar with um, what was taught in the Book of Mormon, 
And then I think one of the great blessings that I've experienced over the last 50 years is uh, listening to uh, church leaders, people that we feel are um, really inspired of God, uh, prophets of God in these in these days. And so I think if you start with that base of understanding what Christ taught, it serves as a great foundation for the issues that will come up. And they, they, they constantly change. Over the last 50 years, they stay the same, but they change also. Mm-hmm. And so I think an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the, is the foundation that I would, um, I would start with. And then, then you can narrow it down to, uh, to particular topics. See what Christ taught about certain things. And uh, it, is there anything that he taught that can help inform our, our decision? Because I believe that Jesus Christ is the, the Savior of mankind, the Son of God, and uh, is, you know, the font of, of all, all wisdom. And if we will follow him... Uh, we will make good decisions and we'll be, we'll be blessed. So I, I guess that would be um, a foundation now. And, and then to see what current leaders of the church are teaching about particular topics. I think uh, there have been so many times when uh, there have been so many different opinions out there that having someone uh, that is the voice uh, of Jesus Christ on the earth, and that's what I believe the president of our church is, it helps bring clarity. It helps bring uh, a perspective that has been extremely helpful to us over our our life together. Um, Another Before thing. we move on, can can I ask one question? Uh, and you might answer this with your next point. So if that's the case, let me know. Uh, but what would you say to the person who heard your 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 first principle, this idea of turning to the scriptures to look for guidance, both generally and about specific about specific issues? Um, what would you say to the person who says, "Well, I know lots of good people who are studying the scriptures regularly and come up with." completely contradictory opinions about what the about what the gospel says about these policies. And so if that's the case and they're both good people and I know that they're good people and I know that they're both following the savior as much as well as they can is is the gospel or are the scriptures really a good guiding tool when it comes to politics? Like can it be really be relied upon? Yeah, that's a great question. It was one that I really uh, wrestled with. And the thing that uh, I think is, uh, is very helpful for a Latter-day Saint, for a member of the church, is having uh, a prophet. I remember one of the leaders of our church, a man by the name of Gordon B. Hinckley. You remember President Hinckley, mm-hmm. man that uh, I think is a prophet. He, uh, he said, well, what's, I remember Larry King asking him, what is your role? as a uh, president of the church, as a prophet. And he said, I, I'm the clarifier of doctrine. And, uh, and uh, uh, we need that. 
we need a clarifier of doctrine, and that is the great blessing that members of the church have. They've got uh, a person that uh, is the mouthpiece of God here upon the earth today. I have faith that that is true, and I have followed that and have been greatly blessed because of that. And so uh, where it where there is not clarity in the scriptures, I would look to the prophet and I would follow him. Uh, now, the church is led by uh, a number of individuals that uh, are in a supporting role to the, the president of the church, uh, 12 apostles. And they have uh, uh, declared uh, doctrinal issues pretty clearly and they have that displayed on the church website. I, I think there's a, um, a wonderful resource on the church website called um, Gospel Topics, where mm-hmm. you can go to the hot-button issues of the day and I think get some real clarity as to what uh, the prophet and uh, those that support him are saying about particular issues. And... Um, you know, you can balance that out in your own mind. You can pray about it. You can read the scriptures. And uh, I think those are very, very good helps. The other thing that I would uh, say that's been um, a big help as a, as a foundational principle, do you remember when Adam and Eve uh, partook of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden? And... Um, Heavenly Father uh, came to them and uh, asked what had happened, and and Adam said, "Well, we partook of the fruit, and it's and her fault. Satan, she made me do it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then Satan, uh, she, the, and uh, and Eve said, "Well, you know, Satan, the devil made me do it. Satan made me do it." And Heavenly Father had a discussion uh, with. Uh, Satan at that time, and Satan uh, was pretty antagonistic and said that he would uh, really take issue with Adam and Eve, and uh, the Lord said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the seed of the woman. Remember that mm-hmm. discussion? What, if I were to ask you what you think enmity is, <clears throat> what do you, what would you, how would you respond to that? Well, I was just going to ask you what that meant, <laughs> so I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, I would say enmity is animosity, it's strife, it's all of the failings of uh, of mortals, right? It's the jealousy, it's the anger, it's the uh, desire to pull down, it's all of those it, things. Uh, you're exactly right. It's actually... A hatred hmm. of things and a hatred towards and hostility toward um, or in a state of opposition. And years ago, one of the presidents of our church, one of our prophets, a man by the name of Ezra Taft Benson, gave a great talk. And he gave a talk on pride. And uh, one of the things that he said that I think we really need to be aware of when we start talking about politics is um, he said the central feature of pride is enmity. Enmity toward God, 
and enmity toward your fellow man. And when you start to feel a sense of hostility, a sense of uh, anger toward your fellow man, um, you really need to check yourself. Am I being prideful? Because as you, when President Benson talked further, he talked about that pride leads to the tool that the adversary uses so effectively, that Satan uses so effectively, and that is contention. And that is a, a tool that is rampant today. And I think when you start to look at politics, from a sense of, of enmity toward other people and pride toward uh, your point of view and, and you're really contending, I think you need to measure yourself and you need to remember what's the gospel of Jesus Christ say? What are the two great commandments? You go to Matthew, mm-hmm. the 22nd chapter, and when he's asked, what's the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God and, and then love your neighbor. As yeah. myself, yeah. Those are the two great commandments. And so if you're not loving your neighbor and and you're starting to contend, I think you you need to say, hey, maybe I'm being prideful here. Maybe I need to step back a little bit and I'm not taking mm. taking the right approach. And I think this is such a great example of why conversations like the conversations we have here on the podcast are so necessary because it's super easy to read Matthew and read Jesus' words where he's like, you need to love each other. And everyone reads that and says, yeah, that's right. And then they go out and then then it's hard. Yeah. Then you actually have to do it. And it's rough, especially when you have with politics, so many of us who are engaged in the political realm have such deeply held views. And, um, for a variety of reasons, I think for Latter-day Saints, there's a lot of, uh, revelation and a lot of scriptures that that speak specifically to things like the the foundation of the United States of America that give us a a religious fervor when it comes to when it comes to politics and it comes to the founding and then also in a an increasingly secular society I believe and I think the research backs this up that people have increasingly turned towards things like the state and and to politics as a a form of religion and so you have this intense these really really intense and sacred feelings that's why I bring up the point about uh, people view, viewing these political issues as religious is because they become sacred to them and it's really difficult to not feel enmity towards somebody who is putting down things that you find sacred. Uh, that's so true. That's true. And uh, it is hard to live those two commandments. <laughs> but it must, be, it must be possible because we've been commanded to do it. And so when you, start to, when you start to feel that way, I think that's a good signal to you that, hey, I may not be approaching this right. And uh, so I guess the next foundational thing that uh, I would, that I found to be helpful is try to be informed. You, you said a wonderful um, thing there, uh, I think, Andrew, and that is having an understanding of 
the uh, creation of this country and its constitution. I think that there are a great many people that become very fervent about uh, political ideas that um, don't appreciate the, the foundation that we have in this country that the Constitution provides that gives us this opportunity for this back and forth that, that takes place. And so I think if you're going to have political opinions, make them informed opinions. Try to understand what the issues are. Do some studying. I, I think that Stephen Covey, who was a... Uh, uh, like a business guru? Business guru said something that I think is extremely helpful as we're engaging in discussions and, and, and sometimes very challenging. But uh, try to understand before you try to become understood. Mm-hmm. Try to understand the other guy's point of view. Uh, it's so hard. It's, <laughs> it's hard. And it's especially hard at times today when, uh, when you see people that don't want to understand your point of view. They're trying to, trying to take the uh, Satan's role. I mean, what's Satan try to do? He tries to force his opinions on you. And if you're trying to force your opinions on other people, you know you're not following the gospel of Christ. And so other people that are trying to force that on you, that's the, that's the same issue. And so and politics, whether you like it or not, has to do with force or hopefully the ability to persuade. And I think we need to develop the ability to persuade rather than try to force. Now, it ultimately comes down to a vote. And, um, but I, I think you inform yourself, try to understand the other person's point of view, and then, well, Gordon B. Hinckley always had this great saying, it's possible to disagree without being disagreeable. And um, I, I think that's what we should strive to do. Is uh, Now, those may seem like pretty lofty ideals, um, mm-hmm. but if you're, gonna, if you're going to put things in a gospel perspective, if you're going to, to try to be like Jesus, then I think you become informed. You see what the scriptures or the living prophets have to say about it. And then you... You pray. You try to get the promptings of the of the Holy Ghost in your mind and in your life, and then you do your best as agreeably as you possibly can to persuade other people to uh, to, to do the things that you think are right. To agree to to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are times when that will happen. Yeah, I I think one of the things that's really helped me the most with all of this is having a handful of friends with whom I deeply and vehemently disagree with politically, uh, but still get along with, and I still love. Um, And I I think those kinds of relationships have helped me always be more compassionate when I'm dealing with somebody I don't know, or only know um, kind of as an acquaintance who has the same types of ideas. It's, It's easier for me to not kind of, 
lay into them and think they're a terrible person and they must <laughs> want the destruction of the United States. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's easier if we can find a friend like that to kind of personify the human side of the opposing view, whatever the opposing view is. Yeah, I found that if I can understand where the other person's coming from and we can engage in a discussion that we can many times find uh, common ground. And I think that uh, building those kind of relationships are from a foundational standpoint, if you're talking about principles that I would try to, that I think are, are worthy of, of, of uh, bringing to a, a topic, I think that's, those are ones that I would, I would look at. Pride and be, being informed, trying to understand other people and love other people. Great. Thank you. So <clears throat> there's a, one more of the big picture principle questions that we want to ask, and you may have already covered it in what you've already said, which was amazing. Um, but that's how are we to engage with the political realm as followers of Jesus Christ? Yeah, so we might look at it and say it's so difficult and it's so contentious. Maybe it's better for followers of Jesus Christ just not be engaged, not be involved in that. Again, I think um, we've got to be involved in it. I think that uh, we have a responsibility to take the gospel of Jesus Christ um, to all people to uh, teach those principles. And, and I think part of that is in, a, in the civic area. And again, if you follow uh, what the um, leaders of, you know, the prophets have said, we should be engaged. We should be engaged locally. We should be engaged uh, regionally and, and nationally. Uh, most of my activity has been on a, on a local basis. And I think there, as you develop relationships with people and you come to understand people, you can find common ground. You can build bridges of understanding that will let you get things done that clash and contention won't do. And um, <clears throat> it, uh, it's not easy. But I think it's it's very necessary and very doable. You can have a tremendous influence for good in your own community. So you need to be involved so that those principles can, um, of that Christ teaches can make your community better. Right. I like that a lot because as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be like promoting God, basically. We're supposed to be talking about him and... Um, sharing those principles of him and a great way to do that is through being involved in the community and in the world um, so that people can see our examples of Jesus Christ so that they can see the light that we have to offer them and that they can accept that light as well. So I like that, what you said. Yeah, and I think maybe there have been times in history where, I mean, I don't know if I want to even talk about this. Never mind, I might cut that out. I don't, really, I don't know where... Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Probably not worth going down that avenue. Um, going along with what Emily was saying, like we've been called to be the salt of the earth, right? Like We've been called mm -hmm. to be the 
the leaven in the bread. Like we've been called to be to sp- be spread out across the whole world, and to not only be present in the world, but to affect the whole world. And I think politics really is. You know, it kind of has a bad. I mean, it does have a bad rap for justifiable reasons. Um, and. Uh, and it's frustrating and it's annoying, but when it comes down to it, politics is the application of moral principles in the community. Like at its very basic, that's what it is. Uh, and if we don't engage in that, we allow others to dictate the application of moral principles in the community. Right. You, you definitely do. You have, and if you have people that are motivated by uh, pride or enmity, What's going to happen? They're going to want to force other people. And we see that in great abundance taking place today. A, a, a force trying to get you to believe what they believe, which is antichrist. Right. That use of force is, uh, and, and so you just need to be aware of that. And when you see that, I think that should uh, alert you and inform you in regard to where people are, are coming from and see what you can do to try to change that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, and, and to all of my libertarian friends who are freaking out that I said that, uh, <laughs> talking about the <laughs> government being the application of moral principles, I still think it's, it stands because, again, if your moral principle is that you don't want the government to be involved in almost anything which I wholeheartedly sympathize with, uh, we still have to be engaged, right? We can't just sit back and say, oh, that's a dirty realm, or that's dirty issues, or, or it's a, a, an area of life that brings about contention, so I'm not going to deal with it. That just gives it over then to the people who love contention the most. Right. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. We see a tremendous amount of that in the world today. Yeah. yeah. Well... Should we move on to our specific? Yes, some listener? specific listener questions. And so hopefully we can take some of these big principles and apply them to some kind of hot button issues. I think the first one we talked about already, how can we have more civil discussions about politics as members of the church? Hmm. What do we do when we come into contact with somebody who's a member of our church, uh, who's we believe is doing everything that they're supposed to be doing, like reading their scriptures and whatnot, and we... Uh, have completely antithetical approaches to some principle. Let's say something specific like abortion. So when we come to when we say that we believe that abortion is wrong and they believe that abortion is a woman's right, uh, how do we... This is a personal question. I really struggle with this. This is one that I when I talk to people about abortion and they're pro-abortion, I deeply struggle with not being furious <laughs> and not judging them and thinking like, how dare you think this? And I, I know I'll be vulnerable and say that, but I know other people that I've spoken with feel the same way. Well, I think uh, we go back again to those foundational principles that we talked about regarding contention pride, being informed. Uh, I, I believe that uh, the church website for a person like that 
is uh, is very helpful. And uh, and again, you don't want to get in a contending situation, but it's pretty clear what the church is teaching us on that. Uh, you look at uh, what the church says about abortion in those uh, in gospel topics. It says, Latter-day prophets have denounced abortion, referring to the Lord's declaration, thou shalt not kill, nor do anything like unto it. Uh, their counsel in the matter is clear. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints must not submit to, perform, encourage, pay for, or arrange for an abortion. Church members who encourage an abortion in any way may be subject to church discipline. That's pretty clear. And yeah. so if you find somebody who is uh, uh, taking in a different position, then you know where they're coming from. And they're, they're certainly not supportive of the, the church's position on that. And so those are things that people, I think, then you pray. Then you, uh, you know, I, I, there's no point in contending with them. Uh, that I've seen. You can talk with them. Those are things that they're going to have to uh, deal with their, uh, their their church leaders in regard to. So let me and ask you a follow-up. Oh, sorry. Let me, let me ask you a follow-up question on this, that it will probably apply to all of the other hot-button issues that we bring up. Uh, what do you say, um, or... I've seen this before where you're, you'll talk about these issues and specifically when you're talking with other members of the church, you'll say, look, this is clearly against the teachings of the church. Mm -hmm. And I frequently run into the response, oh, well, the Lord just hasn't revealed more about this yet. And we believe that when it more is revealed, we'll find out that this is okay. And so... Uh, and and it's it's a it's a really difficult thing to to argue with. Not that we're going to be arguing, but to debate with, because it's a premise that that the the assumption is the Lord can provide revelation that supersedes previous revelation. Not that He is going to contradict Himself, but there are times where He will reveal something that's, that is a higher law, and it's quite possible that we didn't fully understand the law that we have now, uh, and we might have supposed things that weren't actually directly revealed, just kind of inferred. And that's happened in church history uh, to some degree or another. I was just going to say, but I think that the rule we should live by is until he does reveal more, we live by the law that he's given. That's my answer to that question, but. I agree. Okay. Yeah, and that, and again, those are some things that you just may have to agree to disagree on. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you have somebody that is actively teaching that abortion is acceptable, then I think uh, those are things that uh, local church leaders will um, have to have to deal with and talk with people about. But if you're talking about how do you inform your decision? That's how I'd inform, inform my decision on, on uh, abortion, for example. And I've, over the years, I've talked with um, hundreds of uh, women who've had abortions. And I've seen the anguish that that has brought into their life. And fortunately, 
the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of uh, repentance, and it's a gospel of, uh, of forgiveness. And um, I, I, I just uh, think those are things that we work to persuade and try to try to change. But um, if they're contending, and they're that's again that's using the the issues of the day to try to inform your decision of what Christ what is what is uh, Christ like, and I that's dangerous to get there. Yeah, I, I think we talked about this before, President Borders. But the danger, the real danger I see with that is if you're operating on that principle, like, oh well, this we might receive more revelation on this later. That shows that my opinion is actually right. What you essentially do is you take uh, a religion of moral absolutes and you put yourself in a moral framework of complete relativism uh, because uh, there's and, no, there's yeah. nothing grounding you. And you're coming at it from a position of, of pride. I'm smarter than, um, you know, my, my position is, uh, is right, is uh, very prideful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just have seen over the years that uh, people's ideas change as they get more experience and uh, uh you know, so I would not get involved in a in a contentious battle with them. I would just this is what I believe, and this is why, and and um, you know, let other people, uh, you know, do the contending. Just um, if they're going to be members of the church and promoting abortion, I, I think then that's something for their leaders to, uh, to deal with and not you. Yeah. I, I really, I really like this idea that if we, um, when we are looking at the gospel from a perspective of, Oh, I might know something more, or I'm going to kind of add something on that I think is going to happen. Uh, that is coming from a place of enmity because it's putting yourself at enmity with the Lord and putting, saying, like, I am above this. I know more than you, yeah. I know more than than God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've been... Go ahead, President No, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) So we've been talking a little bit, like, from the perspective of a person that is, like, has a friend who disagrees or something, but maybe can we talk a little bit from a different perspective, let's say, like, like I am struggling with something that the prophet has said, or um, a change that's been made, or mm. a commandment that's been given. If I am struggling with that, like how? But I ser- sincerely would like to accept it, and but I have a hard path. time with it. Yeah, how can we? What would you say to the person that is struggling that way? Sincerely wants to follow the prophet but is struggling with the things that are being said or the commandments that God has given us. Well, I've done that. I remember when I was a young member of the church um, and I found out that uh, the blacks couldn't have the priesthood. Yeah. I was very involved in uh, uh, movements to try to bring 
equity to the blacks. I thought they were being treated very poorly. And when I found out that the blacks couldn't have the priesthood, I was offended by that. I thought that's wrong. And um, I, I had to pray a lot on that. And um, the more I studied it, the more I learned about it, the more I, well, I found out that <clears throat> that wasn't a forever type of a of re restriction. And I heard lots of things and, and eventually that did, uh, you know, President Kimball and the Quorum of the Twelve received the revelation that, that they would uh, they would receive it. And I think in situations like that, you just have to have patience and pray and trust that uh, uh, this truly is the church of Jesus Christ, that he does lead it, <clears throat> and that uh, um, it'll come to you that why it's the way it is. I think it's interesting that you bring up that, that issue specifically because that's one of the prime examples I hear when I'm talking to people about things like gay marriage or I haven't heard so much about abortion, but I've heard it with no. gay marriage and transgender mm -hmm. issues. They'll specifically bring up the issue of, of uh, blacks in the priesthood. Because it was mm -hmm. a, like a, a restriction that was then lifted. Yeah, and they say, like, oh, well, that feels... Like it feels like it was wrong, uh, and we just had to wait it out, and then eventually the Lord, you know, took it away. So, what would you say to those people? Maybe not like we're not trying to prove them wrong or not, but providing an provide an answer so that people who come up to that coming up against that argument can give themselves some kind of logical explanation. If you, uh, I, I think we're looking at a couple of different things here. And uh, if you go back and you look at church history, you'll find that during the time that Joseph Smith was on the church, there were members of the church that were blacks that held the priesthood. And then uh, in the culture of the times after the persecution that the church had, et cetera, et cetera, some of those uh, decisions that led to blacks not having the priesthood, the the persecution that the church had in Missouri and uh, all of those issues affected the, the time. Now, if you look at the doctrinal um, statements that we have now from the prophet, and you go back and say, for example, look at uh, the proclamation on the family in regard to gender the proclamation on the family in regard to um, uh, marriage between a man and a woman as opposed to, to gay marriage. Uh, I, I think those are um, different than blacks in the, in the priesthood. But we don't, I would, I guess the solution that I would say is wait on the Lord pray about it, and follow the brethren, and trust that you don't give up all that's good for, for one thing that you struggle with. Um, I remember the, um, the contention that was in the church over the Equal Rights Amendment way back uh, in the 80s, and the church's stand on, uh, on that. Not that they were against rights for women, 
but against that particular amendment and what would, would happen as a result of it. Uh, there, you're constantly going to find situations where there are current political issues that um, uh, you might think make a lot of sense, but the prophet urges caution on or states something differently. And so I would follow the prophet and I would trust in them in those circumstances. Yeah, definitely. And for some reason in my, my mind, I keep thinking of how when we read in the scriptures about the ancient Israelites, uh, when they were dealing with the cultures of the land that they were in, uh, we see their struggles with the, the idols and we think like, why is it such a hard deal for them? Like, why is it such a big deal? Why is it so hard for them to not worship these, these idols of stone wood? Like, it doesn't make any sense to us. Uh, but going back to the discussion we were having earlier about uh, the, in an, in, a, in an increasingly secular world, politics is playing the role of religion. It is taking, it is the, the recipient of our feelings of the sacred versus the profane. And when that's happening, I mean, that that's the culture we live in. Even if we are very religious, that is the culture we live in. And uh, it's, it's easier to understand the ancient Israelites now because we, we all feel the pull of the cultural idols, whatever they are, the cultural political idols, whatever the issue is, whether it's gay marriage or, or transgender issues or abortion, like we feel that, that pull and it's difficult to resist. Um, and, and, and it's going to get worse. Yes. Elder uh, Holland a few years ago talked about, uh, I don't know if you read uh, Elder Bednar's talk recently. Elder Bednar is an apostle in the church. I know that some of your non-member listeners might not know that, but a man that uh, I have great respect for. Uh, he referred to uh, a talk that was given at the University of Idaho. He said uh, when he was president of uh, BYU uh, Idaho, not the University of Idaho, but BYU Idaho. He said, what kind of counsel can you give me or give the students about uh, how to deal with some of the polarity that uh, we've got in the in the world, and that's what uh, Elder Holland said. He said, "Follow the prophet. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. There's going to be a clearer and clearer divide between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the secular world." And um, and so I think we keep our eye on the scriptures, our eye on the prophet, and and we follow him, and we will not be led astray. That's I I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. Yep, we definitely have to get, regardless of which side or corner of the political battle you find yourself on. I think it's super important to not uh, to not allow any of these idols to become a part of our lives. Right, like whether it's an an idol of the political right or an idol of the political left or an idol of the libertarian down under or whatever. If you want to use a a compass instead of a regular two dimensional spectrum, uh, we can't let any of these issues become idols for us. We have to be at a place 
personally, my goal is I have a, I'm very intentional about my my political philosophy, and I try and have a very well rounded, coherent, and cohesive political philosophy. But as soon as I hear or receive direction from the prophet that such and such is a policy we should pursue, or like this is something we should vote against, like I wholeheartedly vote that way, or I support that. Um, and then I pray and I struggle and I try and figure out why is it this way? Uh, I trust the Lord is smarter than me, even though, and like this step might conflict with my personal beliefs or my personal political, the, the political idol that has the most pull on me. Uh, and so you struggle with, with God and you wrestle with him until you get it instead of allowing these idols to become a permanent presence in your life. I, I think that's uh, wise, yeah. very wise. Yeah. Yep. Um, one question that we had that I'd never thought about before, and I don't expect you to have the answer, but I would love to hear what you have to say. Um, they asked, is our politics going to be around forever basically is this an earthly thing is it an eternal thing are we going to have this in the eternities politics i don't well, I think your i think your statement was uh, was right i don't know the answer to that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do i do have an opinion okay <laughs> uh, politics was sure around you go to revelation revelation 12 uh i think it's verse 7 where there's the discussion of uh Michael fighting the adversary, and we had a battle there. That was a political battle uh, where some wanted to follow Satan and some wanted to follow Christ. And um, the blood of the Lamb, if you look at Revelations, or the testimony of Christ that, that this is, I'm going to follow Christ, is what won that battle. And uh, we're fighting that same battle here today. Um uh, I like to think that when we finish the battle and we finally make it to heaven, that uh, that battle will be be resolved by the the people that are there. We won't have those kind of contentions. And then uh, again, if you progress that a little bit further, and if you become to the point to where you um, have spiritual offspring, and you want to give them the opportunity of mortality. Who knows what will happen then? But, uh, <laughs> that's a topic for another another time, probably. So yeah. My yeah. is that, uh, that we'll get to that point of, of peace. And as mm -hmm. followers of Christ, I think we can have a sense of peace even amidst these uh, storms that we have now. Oh, yeah, I love that. I think a good perspective to a good way that I've I think that I am understanding that now after this conversation is that, again, politics is the application of moral principles in the organization of society. Uh, and applying moral principles to organize society is going to be something that's around forever, right? I mean, that's that's an eternal thing. Uh, what's going to change is the level of, of agreeableness that attends it. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> I imagine that the agreeableness will go up significantly in the eternities. <laughs> My hope is that we'll all be like Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. We have one heart and one mind. Yeah. 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 That's my faith. That's my belief. 
Well, I think yeah. that is a perfect place to end it. What do you think, hon? I agree, yeah. So what are your takeaways? Um, I think the thing that stood out to me the most was just the reminder that we have a prophet here on earth today and that he's led by God. And we're so um, blessed to be able to have a prophet on earth at this time where there's so much chaos, there's so much polarity and so much opinion. Um, We have a guide and we just need to remember to seek personal revelation through Heavenly Father, but to also act on the words of the prophet and follow him because if you follow the teachings of the prophet, then you are following the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I think I have two main takeaways. The first one is that um, there's not an easy answer, right? Just like every hard question. Yeah. I, I read something really good today that said, for every extremely complex and nuanced problem, there is a simple and easy solution that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> so, like, there, there are a lot of difficult issues we're facing in life. This being one that is very kind of hot buttony right now and very in your face and will continue to be so until the Savior comes, probably. Uh, and there's not going to be an easy solution. The, the real solution is to be worthy of the companionship of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And in doing the things that will get you to be worthy to have the companionship of the Holy Ghost, you will learn things and the Holy Ghost will point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other takeaway I had was kind of the next step of that. Like, what do you do now you have the companionship of the Holy Ghost? Okay. Now what do you, how do you actively apply that? And I think as we search the scriptures, like President Borders was talking about, and we kind of, the way I look at it is you find guiding principles in the scriptures. It's not like a, uh, it's not like just reading the scriptures just to read it is really going to make a huge difference, but you have to read it and look for things. And so I try and read the scriptures and look for guiding principles that I can then apply in, a, in areas of my life. And I think one, uh, or back up a little bit, one cool thing is that those principles are going to be revealed to us by the Holy Ghost. And we can also find those principles through discussions with other people with whom we trust or by uh, reading or listening to the words of the prophets and reading the scriptures. And we can find those principles and kind of as a cool send off, I will share uh, one principle that president borders shared as a guiding rod. And I have a a specific scripture that highlights this. Um, I know he was probably thinking of the scripture when he was sharing this principle. Mm-hmm. So I will share the scripture with everybody else who, who didn't have the scripture come to mind. And he was talking about how do we determine whether a group or a movement might be uh, malevolent? That means like vicious, right? Or bad, right? I don't know if I've ever I think heard so. that word. Malevolent. I think okay. that's right. Uh, <laughs> or antichrist. It'll say anti. Oh yeah, yeah. there we go. There if, go. <laughs> that's probably a more apt description. If a group is anti-Christ, and he said specifically that that group is trying to force you to change your opinion and is trying to change you through through coercion. Uh, so in Doctrine and Covenants section one twenty one verse thirty seven, it says uh, that they may be conferred. This is talking about uh, principles. Uh, let me read thirty six as well. Uh, that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven, and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness, that they may be conferred upon us, it is true. But here, And here's the point that applies. But when we undertake to cover our sins, 
gratify our pride, our vain ambition, or to exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men in any degree of unrighteousness. Behold, the heavens withdraw themselves. The spirit of the Lord is grieved. And when it, when it is withdrawn, amen to the priesthood or the authority of that man. So, exercising control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men. So, forcing them to try and change, using coercion. Uh, and unfortunately, there there isn't really a group anywhere in the political realm right now that isn't using this to some degree, which should be alarming to all the followers of Christ and should keep us all on our toes. But when we see groups excessively, maybe not excessively, but using this principle a lot or abusing this or exercising control, dominion or compulsion, compulsion, we need to be extremely wary of those groups because they are inherently anti-Christ in that. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my takeaway. That was a great takeaway. Thank you. I try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you. Or, or President Sister Borders, thank you so much. We really love you. We appreciate yeah. you for taking the time to be with us tonight. Uh, we love you. you. We love you. Love your family. Yes, we do. Glad to see you. <laughs> great to see you. Good to see you too. <laughs> well, uh, like as always, people, we love you. Please uh, subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends, especially if you think this is going to be helpful. Because this is, a, I think, this is a very, it's very relevant, very relevant topic, um, and probably going to be more and more and more relevant as we mm-hmm. get closer to the second coming of the Savior. Yeah. Uh, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to us. And you can find us on Instagram at Outpost of Heaven, or um, you can email us at outpostofheaven at gmail.com. All right, guys, keep the faith. See ya.